0: Welcome to The Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Good morning to you. Ten minutes after 9 a.m. I am Andy Griffin. Great to be here today. Uh, Got a couple of guests scheduled. Uh, First of all, we're going to bring in Jeff Burningham. And you say, wait a minute, that name sounds kind of familiar. Who is Jeff Burningham? Well, first of all, Jeff, welcome to the program.
1: Andy, thanks for having
0: me. Good to have you here. Now, uh, instead of me going through a big flowery introduction, maybe, Jeff, if you can just tell people who you are and uh, why you want to be on the radio right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't like flowery introductions, so I appreciate that. I'm an entrepreneur, a job-creating entrepreneur. That's my background. I've been building the economy here in Utah for the last 20 years. I've helped create over 4,000 jobs uh, here in Utah. I've been politically active as I've been building businesses in my neighborhood caucus meetings, been a precinct chair, a state delegate, county delegate, etc. But I'm now running for governor as an innovative outsider. I think the only outsider in the race, the only non-career politician, that will be me, Jeff Birmingham, the only guy out there uh, running for governor that's not a politician.
0: You know, I, I don't know if you're a, a Donald Trump fan or not, but he's certainly uh, the president has shaken things up a little bit in Washington, D.C. He is and was a businessman who kind of weds his way into the political world. And, you know, there's no no arguing with the results. Our economy is doing very well right now. Does this do you feel like this maybe helps you when, when you're looking uh, t- toward the future?
1: Yeah, well, I think it may, you know, some of it is a good model. I like like a lot of what our president has done. I don't always like the way he does it. But what I've learned, even Andy, just in this experience the last this year, I've been considering running for governor. I've been all over the state, all 29 counties, 300 political meetings. Politicians are enablers of the political system Mm, that has made them, while entrepreneurs are disruptors, like you said, of the status quo that makes greater opportunity available for all. And I think that's where we're at in Utah right now. We're at a critical juncture. Our politicians have kicked the can down the road on several important and critical items. It's time for an unentangled leader. Someone who's has some guts, who's willing to be bold, to help do the right things for Utahns. If we want Utah to remain on top, the playbook that we've used the last uh, ten years is not does not need to be the same the next ten years. We need an innovative outsider to bring game changing leadership uh, to keep Utah on top. That that's that's my opinion, and that's why I've thrown my hat in the ring and i am running for governor against the establishment. Um, with lower name id obviously than a lot of the career politicians but um i think it's a critical time and i think we need outside unentangled leadership right now in the state
0: when you ask uh, joe public who's running for governor they say oh yeah that that uh, the vice governor whatever uh, that cox guy and then of course everybody's talking about john huntsman uh now uh you know what? What makes you different from these guys? What makes you want you know get someone like me to motivated to go out to the polls or go out to the to the voting booths and say, yeah, I'd like somebody different. What What is it about you, Jeff?
1: Well, I don't even view what I'm doing, Andy, through a political lens. I don't think that the candidates you mentioned could say that, and or the other politicians that are getting in. It's, this isn't even political to me. This is personal. My wife and I have raised our four children here in Utah. They've all gone to public schools. We decided to build our businesses here. This isn't political to me. The lens that I view this through is one of leadership, problem solving and public service. And I think that's what uh, our politicians should be. I think that's what our elected officials should be. I think that's what Utah wants in a governor. They don't want a politician. They want a leader, someone that has a track record of seeing around corners, understanding where things are going, and that can continue to lead us to prosperity that will protect our conservative way of life and our quality of life that we love here in Utah. And so I think the biggest thing at a macro level, Andy, is just I don't even view this as political. This is about leadership, problem solving, and service. And that's the kind of leader I think Utah wants and needs, someone that will fight and work for the people. Also, number two, if I could say one other thing, I've come from nothing, Andy. I've built several businesses now and and found some success. I came from nothing. I don't have a name that everyone knows. I had no economic privilege in my life. I have a track record of a job-creating entrepreneur, an innovative outsider, and I want to bring a smart plan to Utah to keep us on top and to ensure that our Uh, Quality of life for our children and grandchildren remains the same. I want my children to have the same opportunity that I've had to flourish here in Utah. And I'm, I'm concerned that that's a little at risk right now if we don't do some of the right things right now.
0: We're talking with Jeff Birmingham, who uh, about two months ago declared that uh, he's going to run for governor with uh, basically no political background, but a, a great business background. Maybe Jeff, if you could tell us a little bit more about where you come from, uh, you know, wh- where you were educated, uh, so we can learn a little bit more about you.
1: Yeah, I, I met my wife at uh, BYU. That's where we met, an undergrad at BYU. She's from Logan, Utah. Her dad was the dean of the business college at Utah State for 15 years or so. She's a second grade school teacher. We have four children, ages 18. Our oldest just left on a mission and our youngest is eight years old.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we lived in Provo our entire adult lives, uh, uh, and over by, 20. By the, way, 20 Je-
0: by the way, Jeff, I will say this. I think your kids got their looks from their mom uh very very (laughs) good looking
1: kids (laughs) yeah yeah good looking kids and great kids and yes they did get them from their mom and uh and yeah my wife's name is sally she's we're all team Birmingham. we're very mission driven in our home right now focused on how we can serve the state of utah how we can preserve the quality of life that we all love and have experienced here and you know, like I said, I'm concerned, so so that's kind of where I came from. We' lived here in Provo for over twenty years. I've built and sold several businesses here in three main areas: real estate, technology, and finance. Um, like I said, um, helped create over four thousand jobs here in Utah. I think it's critical that we elect the next governor has a hands-on understanding of our economy we've had a great 10 years but as we all know market cycle they change they're meant to cycle i think it's critical that we elect a governor who understands the economy who has helped build it it's not theoretical to them and also I was in rural Utah all last week, southern Utah all last week. We need to disperse the opportunity that's found here on the Wasatch Front as far and wide into the rural counties as possible.
0: Yeah, yeah, good call there. We'll, we'll agree wholeheartedly with that. Uh, did want, But, you know, one of the things that has always kept me from wanting to run for political office, I don't really, I, I would say I don't have skeletons in my closet, but I don't want to subject myself and, and and those I love to the scrutiny that comes with running for public office. Is that something that you thought about? I mean, like I said, there, there are probably no skeletons there, but just, I mean, look what's happened to President Trump and impeachment and stuff like that. It's just like, why do I want to put myself through that?
1: Of course, yeah, this was a very – I actually started considering running for governor. I had others encouraging me a year or so ago. I met with my campaign manager for the first time a year ago. And so I considered this for a year. Like you said, we announced September 10th on the uh, Capitol steps, so two months ago. But it took a good year or so of contemplation to get into the race. And, and, of course, one of the biggest issues was that politics is so ugly. And, again, I, I think this is another reason that it's an important, important to an elect an outsider. I think we need to encourage outsiders to run. Yeah. I don't understand why career politicians have become a thing. I don't think that's what it was ever meant to be. I think this is meant to be a season of service, of public service. You get in, try to make a difference, and then get out. But for somehow and for some reason, we've created this political establishment that has made these careers. And one of the reasons we don't have good challenges is because it is scary. It is daunting. There were a a couple comments late last week on Facebook that, you know, my wife and I really took to heart, and and it was hard. Uh, But Mm. we've got to bounce back. We've got to do what's right. Uh, Most people that are commenting don't really know us. Right. Um, in a negative way. and so, sure, there will be some criticism. Sure, we'll take some arrows, but that's what that's the call to service. Like I said, we're very mission driven in our home right now, and for us we're we're trying our very best to to make a difference. and that that we love the state of Utah. We love the people of Utah, and we can handle um, some criticism in that regard. but that is definitely not a fun part of it. I think we need to be more civil in our dialogue and discourse to step out there, as you know, just even to step out there takes a lot of courage, as you know, Andy. And, um, you know, anyone who's willing to do that, especially from the outside, I think deserves respect.
0: And you know, and there's stuff that's going to be said that is absolutely flat out not true, and and that's the frustrating part I think about about putting yourself in the public public eye like that. Uh, let's talk about one of the, one of the phrases you guys you, you like to use on your website. It's game changing leadership, and by the way, the website is jeffburningham dot com. But what is game changing leadership?
1: Yeah, good question, Andy. To me, we need to change the very way our government thinks. So that's what I mean by game-changing leadership. This isn't just about systems and technology, although that is certainly part of it. It's about the hearts and minds of every individual that works in state government. Um, Like I said, politicians are enablers of the systems that have made them. Entrepreneurs are disruptors of the status quo that make greater things possible for all. That's game-changing in government. That makes... A difference. So that's one idea, too. We need to serve um, taxpayers in a whole new, better way. As you look out, the world moves faster and faster, becomes more tech enabled, more user friendly, and government gets bigger and bigger. And and so it moves slower and slower. It's not keeping up. We need to slim down what the government does. We need to privatize more of what the government does. And we need to use technology for scale, to simplify, and to cut costs. And then the last thing I'll say in terms of game changing, and this might be the most important, no more kicking the can down the road for political gain. We need to uh, elect an unentangled political leader in the state right now that will do the right things for the right reason. The truth is, Andy, if I'm elected governor and I serve one term and I get some meaningful things done, that's fine with me. As long as I get some meaningful things done, even if I serve one term, that's fine. We need to consistently do the right thing right now, bold leadership, no matter the political cost, always being more worried about the right thing not the next election. This election for governor in Utah isn't about yesterday's ideas or today's status quo. I think it's all about tomorrow's opportunity, the youngest state in the nation, Utah. Where are we gonna go? What are are we gonna become? I believe that Utah can be a model for modern conservatism for the rest of the country, and, and that's an exciting proposition.
0: Yeah, I like to hear that. Uh, some of the hot button issues uh, that have been on my show lately. Number 1 is uh, taxes. You know, they they tried to they, the legislature tried to ram through a a tax reform deal taxing services uh from in, anything from I mean it could be piano lessons to lawn care to whatever and uh, the public actually got involved. And I was really proud of, of of Utahns for showing up at those meetings and saying, hey, no, you guys, you guys got this all wrong. We don't need uh, these huge service taxes. Uh, they've since come out with another modified bill. They just modified it again. Can you give your thoughts on this, this uh, tax reform that they're trying to put through?
1: Yeah, I'm the only candidate who has spoken out about this. In fact, I printed an op-ed in the Des News, not this weekend, but the weekend before, so about 10 days ago. It ran in the Deseret News, and I said, we're asking the wrong questions in our tax reform. When I'm up on the Capitol, when I'm up on the Hill, I hear legislators asking how and talking a lot about how this is going to affect government revenue, how this affects budgets, et cetera. The real question, Andy, we should be asking is, how will this affect the people of Utah? And this is some of what I think we've lost in public service. Our public servants should represent the people. They should represent, not themselves, the people of Utah. I am against the service tax. It never makes sense to tax business inputs. I am against it for a number of reasons, but... 99% 99% of the businesses in Utah are small businesses. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you are imagine a photo of uh, imagine a mom who has a little photography business on the side or a yoga instructor or your 18 year old son that opens a landscaping business. These are all people that would be pulled into the bureaucratic mess of government in terms of taxes with this bill. Yeah. They would be taxed on services. They would have to collect, ta- they would have to tax, collect tax, fill out a form, and then remit tax to the government on a monthly basis. And that is never good for the economy. We need to unleash the economy, continue to grow the economy. We need, we're need we a growing state, and we need good jobs in our state. And I do not believe this tax reform will help our economy in any way. It's discouraging to me. And, um, again, is this what's best for the people? I don't think so. So I am not for the tax reform. And, again, I'm the only person in the race or – Talking about getting in the race, that has publicly come out, with publicly come out with a strong, um, strong call against this tax reform. But I need your help. I need the people of Utah's help. I'm an underdog candidate. I'm going against the establishment. I need help to get the word out there, to represent the people, and to you know to fight this good fight.
0: I like one of the things you said, too, when it came to tax reform, is maybe we should be reforming how much money we spend instead of trying to reform how much money we collect. Uh,
1: Andy, did you know that, and I I wonder if the people of Utah know, the state budget has grown 30% over the last five years. That's $3 billion more in spending this year than in 2014. So my question to all the listeners out there, to the people of Utah, are you 30% better served? Do you feel 30% better served? And or has your income grown 30%? I think very few people have had their income grow 30% over the last five years. I can't speak for other people, but you know, I don't feel 30% better served. We have a spending problem in the state of Utah. Unfortunately, Andy, not a revenue problem. The people of Utah, the entrepreneurs of Utah, the best and brightest in the state have ensured that we do not have a revenue problem. We are running budget surpluses. Our revenue is up and to the right. We have a spending problem. Unfortunately, our spending is up and to the right as well, as if it needs to mirror exactly the growth of the economy. It does not. One of the very first things I would do if elected governor day one is I would start a top to bottom audit of the state government I would look for ways to cut costs and to be more efficient. Again, I'm a conservative Republican that believes in limited government. I believe that the government should be limited in its scope, limited in what it does, and that it actually serves the people best when it is slimmed down, efficient, and effective.
0: Oh, I love it. That's very well said. And uh, and I feel really good about endorsing what what you have to say, Jeff. We're talking with Jeff Burningham. He is a underdog candidate for governor. And let's let's talk realistically now, uh, Jeff, uh, chances on what you need to do. I mean, obviously, the name recognition for the other two big time candidates is, is pretty high. What do you have to do besides uh, coming to all our towns uh, to get in the
1: race? Well, you have to raise money, and I'm by far the – I have raised the most money in the race. Wow. So that is very encouraging. I've raised the most money of any candidate. I've also put in the most money of any candidate. I am able to sell funds unlike most candidates in the race. And unfortunately, money is important. Name ID can be bought. I don't know if you've heard – we started running an, an ad on rural radio uh, in yeah, southern yeah. Utah. We're playing a right week or here. two right yeah. Great. Yeah, a week or two ago. I was in southern Utah all week. I had uh, town halls in Parowan, Beaver, Tropic, St. George, Cedar City, all over southern Utah. We had great attendance, a lot of excitement and energy. So I've got to get out there and hustle. I need people to go onto my website, like you said, jeffburningham.com, donate a couple bucks or as many bucks as you can. I will match every dollar that you donate. I will personally match it dollar for dollar. I'm investing in Utah's future. I need other people to come along with me. And then a lot of this comes uh, comes down to a ground game. I'm often said in business that the best, teams usually win. And I believe that's true in politics as well. I have gathered and organized the best team, political team in the state. I believe we are the most organized and it will pay off. We just saw, if you guys followed it all, the Salt Lake City mayor's race, the best organized candidate won. It wasn't the one with the highest name ID. It was the best organized candidate. Now, those types of campaigns cost a lot of money. That's why I need to raise money. Uh, but I believe we have a great chance, and especially with a plurality on the ballot. What's going to happen, I think, in seven months when Utahans go to the Republican primary ballot, there's going to be four or five career politicians and one innovative outsider, Jeff Burningham, and they're going to have a choice. You know, one of these things doesn't look like the other. Should we give one of these huh. things a try, you know, yeah. Jeff Burningham? And obviously I hope that um, – utahns uh choose that and that, like i said although we are the underdog although are although we are going against the establishment i'm optimistic i'm excited i believe that we can win
0: awesome jeff run out of time i've got to get weather break in another guest coming in but thank you for spending thanks time Sandy. jeff burningham go to jeff to learn more about this a great conservative conservative candidate thanks jeff
1: thanks Andy. good to talk all right take care
0: Welcome back to the program, 9.34 on a beautiful Monday morning. It's the 18th day of November. We're still, what, like 11 days away from Thanksgiving, but I've already got my pumpkin full on. I love pumpkin. Uh, We've got a, a guest in studio. Valerie King is her name. Valerie, how are you this morning?
2: Great, and thank you for having me here today.
0: Great to have you on. Are you a pumpkin person too, or do you? <laughs>
2: I love pumpkin pie. Pumpkin
0: pie. <laughs> I, I like any form of pumpkin cake, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread. Whatever it is, if, if it's pumpkin, I'm into it. Pumpkin ice cream. Yeah, good stuff. So, all right. Well, Valerie is here. She's from the Daughters of the American Revolution. Uh, and, and I always wondered about that. Before we get into why you're here and, and talking about Wreaths Across America, let's talk about the Daughters of the American Revolution. What does that mean exactly, and what is that organization?
2: Okay, so we're an uh, all-women's organization, and uh, to be a member, uh, you need to be able to trace your blood lineage back to a Revolutionary War patriot. Oh, Wow. And it is either someone, a uh, male or female, who either fought or um, did their oath of allegiance uh, to uh, uh, the cause, um, donated a pig or a cow to the Continental Army, um, or even uh, took care of the wounded uh, and dying so. Um, we've been around uh, for since eighteen ninety as I may have mentioned, and uh, hmm. we're a women's service organization, non-political, and uh, we just celebrated our one millionth member.
1: Wow.
0: And you, you're the chairman of the St. George or Color Country chapter, is that right?
2: I'm the regent of Color Country chapter okay. uh, here in southern Utah, but in all of Utah we have 10 chapters, wow. uh, about 540 members, and uh, we have an 11th chapter that we're trying to form right now in the Lehigh area.
0: Now what are, what are some of the things that you do? You so say you're a service organization, what, what does that mean exactly?
2: So our mission field is uh, threefold. We um, um, try to focus our service projects in historic preservation, Mm -hmm. uh, patriotism, um, and the education of our children. And so many of the things that we do throughout the year, and we're quite busy throughout the year, are focused on those three areas.
0: Okay, and uh, like actual practical application, are you out to uh, – well, let's just go ahead and talk about wreaths across America. One of the things that you guys do uh, – mo- maybe a lot of people haven't heard about exactly what that is. Will you explain wreaths across America?
2: Um, thank you. Yes. Um, so wreaths across America actually um, got started – Really quite accidentally in 1992, when Merrill Worster of Maine, who owned a wreath company, had a surplus of about 5,000 wreaths. And he didn't know what to do with them. Really?
0: Hmm. Yes.
2: And so um, he contacted a senator in Maine uh, to arrange to have those wreaths placed in Arlington National Cemetery. And, of course, he had to gain permission to do that. And so they chose an area of Arlington... Uh, National Cemetery, where it had the least amount of visitors. Hmm. And so they placed these wreaths against the white headstones. In 2005, a a photograph was taken, which they call the iconic photo. And it was these beautiful green wreaths with red bows uh, laid up against these white marble headstones in the snow. Um, That started uh, actually a, a very phenomenal movement. And at some point... Uh, In 2006, after um, thousands of letters and emails, a year later they formed uh, Reefs Across America as a 501c corporation and extended um, Reef Lane across the United States, not just at Arlington.
0: Yeah, and and that's one thing that that I didn't understand at first until I got to reading the the information you sent me was uh, it's not just in Arlington anymore. It's all across all 50 states, I guess.
2: Yes, um, about 1750, um, and this year I believe it's going to increase to even more, but 750 locations in 2018, 1.75 million wreaths were laid. And uh, so that's a phenomenal increase from the 5,000 that it started in 1992. So, yes, the message is getting out about Wreaths Across America. It's a really unique and super special way to remember the fallen, honor those who have served, and uh, teach the children about freedom. And you can see how that easily dovetails into Reese, into Daughters of the American Revolution's um, mission field.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, um, I, I love this little <clears throat> anecdotal story about this year's theme. Uh, the theme this year is everyone plays a part. And you talk about a young man by the name of Miles Worcester, who I guess is a grandson of the founder yes. of Reese Across America. Tell me about that, that little story and that little experience he had.
2: So he saw a U.S. service member in uniform at a hotel where he was staying, and as he always does, this young man walked up to the gentleman, reached out to shake his hand, and thanked him for his service. And his response was simple and impactful. He says, thank you, everyone plays a part. Everyone plays a part. And so he said, those serving in the military are doing their part, but this... But it is our part as Americans to remember and honor them. And that's what Reese Across America is all about. And so that became this year's theme. Everyone plays a part.
0: I love it. Now, um, I know you're a non-political organization, but it's got to trouble you a little bit that a lot of young people are growing up without that kind of knowledge. I mean, thankfully, we haven't had a war in a long time in this country. But I noticed that's one of your missions as Daughters of the American Re- Revolution is to teach.
2: Yes. And so um, here in St. George, uh, we um, have had briefs across America, probably your listeners don't know, since 2010. Really? Yes. So that was nine years ago. And as a part of that ceremony that we put on at Toniquent, which is the first cemetery um, that was involved in southern Utah, uh, we bring out children. And when I say children, all the way from toddlers to teenagers. Mm -hmm. And we ask them to help with the wreath laying. And we give them the story as to why we're doing it. And we also like the young people to be a part of the ceremony. So, for instance, last year we had the um, Air Force Junior ROTC cadets out and the Dixie High School marching band as a part of our ceremony. Nice. So that brings out the children.
0: Do you feel like um, that you have to do a little more explaining to young people than you used to do? I mean, does it it feel like that they're so far removed from any kind of really patriotic type act that that you have to explain a lot more to them?
2: Yes, absolutely. And and so this is why um, we think that this is an excellent tool to um, share that with them and uh, have them be a part of um, the honoring of a veteran mm-hmm. uh, who gave much yeah. so that we can be who we are today, free yeah. and able to do uh, and express freely.
0: Does uh, an, uh, an event like the Veterans Day events that we have, does that help your cause a little bit to, to kind of keep it uh, active in people's minds?
2: Well, we do, um, D.A.R. Color Country Chapter participates in all Memorial and Veteran Day ceremonies, Mm -hmm. as do many, many other um, organizations here. Um, But the involvement of children probably isn't as high as we would like it to be. Um, But yet um, the Air Force Junior ROTC cadets, you know, and there's like 400 of them here in Washington County, um, they're our breath of fresh air. Nice. And uh, we'll rely on them to help spread the message as well.
0: We had, uh, I've had a child in, in the band at Pineview for, well, two sons, two daughters. Uh, so I've been to their Veterans Day concert. Probably ten times in a row, uh, and I like what they do at the end. Of, at the end of the concert, the last song they play, they play the theme song for each branch of the military, and then they have if you if you served in that branch or a family member served in that branch, they have you stand up, and they they get a round of applause and everything. It, it's kind of a, a neat experience. Uh, are we losing a connection nowadays with our veterans because most veterans are elderly? <laughs>
2: Well, as you said, we haven't we've we've enjoyed peace for mm-hmm. so long. Yes, we have. Um, that uh, those that are going into the service are not as significant as it was. So I guess that's kind of a double-edged yeah. uh, coin, isn't it, or yeah. a sword? It's like okay, it's great that we're in peacetime and folks uh, don't have to put on the uniform. But on the other hand, I think we possibly lose. Um, the love of country and flag and all of those things. So this is why I think Reese Across America is so valuable to our community because it will bring out children. In fact, there is an interesting um, statistic that said 2 million volunteers participated nationwide last year in Reese Mm -hmm. Across America 61,000 volunteers laid wreaths at Arlington National Cemetery and more than a third of those volunteers were children. So that's very promising.
0: And by the way, I just did a Google search on uh, on Arlington and wreaths across America. And, uh, yeah, there's the iconic photo and, and the yeah, beautiful pictures of the wreaths at Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, we do need to get a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about how maybe perhaps you can get involved and be a part of things and talk about some of the special events involved with the wreaths across America. And we're talking with Valerie. Valerie, if you'll hang on for a minute, I'll get this commercial break in. Uh, I do want to thank Joe Shoney. He's a local loan consultant focusing on customers service Now, joe's been serving southern utah for more than 25 years if you go online to socialsurvey.me, uh, you can see the uh, incredible reviews he gets the average is 4.91 out of five stars that's 267 reviews including this one from timothy he says great job to joe and his staff as always Uh, Leslie says Joe made the transaction as easy as possible. Uh, Janine says very easy to work with and always gets a job done, five stars. So if you want to get a hold of Joe, here's how you do it. Give him a call at 435-590-6300, or you can email joe.shoney, S-C-H-O-N-E-Y, joe.shoney at nafinc.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's a Monday, 949 in the morning. If you'd like to call in and talk with Valerie or I at 673 Now Valerie is with the Daughters of the American Revolution and uh they've got a special event called Wreaths Across America. It started in Arlington, Virginia, the Arlington National Cemetery, and uh as Valerie said a minute ago, it kind of started as an accident or or something where basically, uh, oh, I forget the name. Worc- something Worcester had Worcester. had a whole bunch of extra wreaths, and he yeah. thought, "What can I do with them?" And he decided to do, I think, the right thing and put them on the on the uh, gravestones uh, near the gravestones of our fallen soldiers. An incredible, an incredible deal. Now, talk about December Fourteenth. What does that date mean to you?
2: December 14th, uh, this year, is the date when Race Across America, all across the nation will take place, Mm -hmm. and we take our lead from Arlington National Cemetery, and um, here in southern, uh, well, in all of Utah, we have, uh, this year, amazingly, 27 participating locations. Wow. uh, That will all be participating at the same time as Arlington, given the time change. So many of the ceremonies will start at ten o'clock,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, so we ask uh, people that would, uh, well, the community at large, if they would like to come out and hear this um, amazing, emotionally gripping ceremony, and then participate in wreath laying on December fourteenth. Uh, we would love to have as many people as possible, and especially children. Yeah. We'd like to share what being a veteran is all about to remember and honor them
0: about three and a half weeks from now uh, december 14th is uh, and i noticed that you you got a declaration from the governor signed and everything that declared december 14th uh, this year as uh, wreaths across america day
2: yes um we had approached the governor um and asked him if he would be willing to um, sign a proclamation. And, of course, to our excitement, he did. And so that has been uh, dispersed now amongst all of the DAR chapters so that they can share it with all of the rest Across America locations that they will be participating in.
0: Cool. Now, how long will this uh, ceremony take? Is it about an hour? Or?
2: No, because it's mostly stand-up. You know, uh-huh. so um, the ceremony itself is about a half hour. Okay. So for um, this year, we our master of ceremonies here in Taunaquit will be um, Lieutenant Colonel Ken Field. He's the uh, commander of the Air Force Junior ROTC at Dixie High School. Nice. And um, then we have the national anthem being uh, sung by the chamber choir from the Tuacahn High School of the Arts. Oh wow. And um, then our special speaker this year is an 89-year-old veteran and an American Legionnaire who has been personally touched so much by Reese across America that I'm sure he's going to have a fantastic story, but he will gear it towards the children. So um, and and then we have a few other little things we will do, and then we will allow those who have loved ones buried at mm-hmm. uh to um, place the wreath on their veterans first, right. and then we'll allow the crowd to go and do the rest. Where there's about eight hundred veterans buried there.
0: I was just going to ask you, how many are we talking about?
2: Eight hundred there wow. in two thousand and ten. There was only three hundred and fifty. So uh, it has grown significantly mm-hmm. at Tanaquant. And then we have um, the St. George Police Department uh, who will escort us so we don't have to worry about lights. And we'll get uh, over to, ta- um, to St. George Cemetery mm-hmm. where 1,100 veterans are buried. wow 1100 1100 actually 1117
0: yeah don't forget the 17 yeah
2: (laughs) uh and then um this year we've added um 10 other cemeteries um as a result of of uh the hurricane valley support foundation who joined us as a fundraiser group this year oh cool so it up until now, Daughters of the American Revolution for the past couple of years, with a little bit of help from the cadets, um, it, we've kind of had to you know, shoulder it on our own. No problem. We love to do it. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. We honor veterans. Um, so there's going to be a, uh, some ceremonies this year at other locations that I think are pretty exciting to tell about um, because of this Hurricane Valley Support Foundation. And uh, for the very first time... Is it okay to go into that?
0: Sure, yeah. We've, we've got about five minutes left.
2: Okay. So we're going to have ceremonies at Hurricane uh, City Cemetery for the first time, where 468 veterans are currently buried. Wow. Ivan's in Santa Clara for the first time last year. We will have uh, ceremonies there again. And uh, other locations, Enterprise, Rockville, Springdale, Virgin, Washington City, wow. uh, all of those will total about 1,150 veterans. so in all, we're going to do uh, Wreath Lane on over 3,000. Wow, uh, that's incredible. Keep in mind, 350 in 2010, we're doing 3,000 in 2019.
0: Now, where are you getting all these wreaths, by the way?
2: Well, from the generosity of those who would like to sponsor a wreath, mm-hmm. and in the past, um, DAR's fundraising was uh, pretty much we would um, offer baked home baked goods, and. Um, at Veterans Day Ceremonies and Memorial Day Ceremonies to mm-hmm. benefit Reese across America, and people were super, super generous. But when you're going to start climbing in the numbers yeah. that we're talking about, you can't do it with baked goods. No, bake sale doesn't quite no, cut it. it doesn't cut it. Yeah. <laughs> so we, um, we, we decided to uh, reach out to corporate business sponsors. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm happy to say that folks like Walmart, and uh, Wells Fargo, for example, were a uh, couple of our first corporate business sponsors. Mm-hmm. So between them and Spillsbury Mortuary, who uh, joined this year, uh, they donated uh, enough money to sponsor about 35% of wow. the goal. So well, the rest came the other way.
0: <laughs> are you still doing bake sales then? and
2: we just finished one on, you? on Veterans Day. Yes. I missed it, darn it. <laughs> yes, we bake very well.
0: I yeah, and I eat very well. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and there was pumpkin too.
0: Oh, pumpkin! Yeah, that's right. That's my favorite. But uh, okay, so uh, again, December fourteenth is a big day at 10 a.m. at Tanaquint. Mm-hmm. Uh, for wreaths across America honoring our veterans. Do you mind me asking, we have about three minutes, uh, your relationship to veteran? Uh, you, is there a special veteran in your life, your, your father, your husband, or whatever?
2: Well, my husband is a United States Air Force veteran. Awesome. I have grandchildren in the service. Uh, one is currently serving in Japan in the Air Force. My oh, wow. father was Air Force. My great uncle actually flew D-Day in the heavies. Really? Uh-huh. So, wow. yes come from a lot well, and then of course my revolutionary war patriots i have seven confirmed ones so um yeah from revolutionary war page revolutionary war time period to current there's always been someone serving in my family
0: that's incredible that's that's just great to hear and, and we salute them and, and those that have have uh... Gone on to the next life. Uh, just uh, we, you know, a great way to honor them with with wreaths across America. Sounds like you're doing good work, Valerie, with the, with the Daughters of the American Revolution.
2: Well, thank you very much. And anyone that has blood lineage that traces back to a Revolutionary War patriot, we'd be happy to hear from you. www.utadar.org. Send us a message, and we'd be glad to help you.
0: Utah D.A.R., Daughters of American Revolution, D.A.R. dot right. org. It's a nonprofit uh, organization and uh, does nothing but good things, it sounds like to me. Yes. So uh, we're Love just, being a member. just about out of time. How big is the Utah chapter of the D.A.R.? Uh, do you have a lot of members here?
2: Well, in all of Utah, 540. We have 10 chapters right at the moment. Our very first chapter was formed in 1897 color country chapter here Uh was formed a hundred years later really in 1990 oh okay yeah yes so and uh, we have another chapter in cedar city and they're doing two locations for the first time this year for reese across america which is pretty cool
0: okay i lived in cedar for uh, about seven months when I first came to Southern Utah, and I'm trying to think of even where the cemetery is there.
2: Well, this year it's going to be Enoch and Summit Cemetery, so 10 o'clock at those uh, cemeteries. And uh, next year they're going to challenge themselves to do Cedar City Cemetery, which is another 700. I I was going to
0: say, that's got to be a big one there. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so they're going to
2: try and do a 1,000 reefs next year.
0: Wow, incredible. It sounds like great things are happening. And like I said, I love the fact that – uh, we're honoring the veterans because uh, I know some of them, especially when we talk about the Vietnam era veterans. Some of them, when they came home from the war, didn't feel very honored. That's true. So,
2: uh, um, and they some of them stay in the shadows still, and and are suffering. But the D.A.R. Um, reaches out to them honestly, mm-hmm. and um, we've actually hosted a commemorative 50th anniversary Vietnam veterans event for them. Surprisingly. Two hundred and fifty Vietnam veterans came out to be thanked. Oh, that's awesome! So we were very, very pleased with that outcome.
0: There's, there's so much that uh, you know, uh, being a veteran, so much goes into post-veteran life. Uh, I have a, a, a nephew of mine who you know was involved in in combat in Afghanistan, and uh, saw some pretty awful things that will never leave his mind. You know, you're talking about PTSD and things like that, and and so uh, I love that you. Guys